We are going through the Apostles' Creed. It's a proclamation that we make uh, every Sunday in our services, which uh, covers the basic fundamental truths of the Christian faith. This is our proclamation. This is what we believe. We're doing a study on it. It's not an exhaustive study. We're not breaking into every nook and cranny, and you, know, you could do this for months. We're just kind of a doing a general overview and hitting some of the high points of these important truths. And uh, now for some of you, uh, it's stuff that you've heard a million times, but it's good for you to hear again. Our scripture is 2 Peter, the first chapter, verse 12, where it says, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. So Peter's writing, he said, look, I know you guys know this stuff, but it's good for me to go over it again, even though you've heard them before, so that you can experience this, I've really get it in your heads. And people are always at different levels of their Christian experience. Some of you have been seriously dedicated Christians for decades, and you can preach this stuff better than me. <laughs> Others of you, it's fairly new. All this is new, and wow, you're listening to these things. And some of you, it's extremely new. In fact, some of you aren't even uh, devout Christians yet, which is fine. You're just checking it out. We're glad that you're here. Uh, we hope that you will choose to... Uh, Put Christ first in your life, but we're glad that you're here. So anyway, we're going this over for the benefit of everyone. Now, we left off last week on the phrase, we believe in the Holy Spirit. I want to pick up on it again today to really emphasize what we're talking about. When it comes to the Holy Spirit, this is the thing that dramatically makes Christianity, one of the things, but a major thing that makes it so much different than other, every other religion in the world. Uh, every other religion, they're trying to reach God out there somewhere, trying to pray and reach God. But in Christianity, when you're really experiencing God, he sends his Holy Spirit, which is God. And when we say the Holy Spirit, it's not it's like he's sending, you know, you know, some peon down the road, you know. Like, like if you're too busy, you send a secretary or, or something else like that. It's God. It's God. It's just God, Okay. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's all God. Not one is more God than the other, okay? In fact, you know, a lot of times people think, oh, it'd be great if Jesus was here. If we just had Jesus here, how awesome that would be. You know, if you could line up and see Jesus in Appleton this morning, wouldn't that be exciting? Listen, it's not good that Jesus is here because Jesus, he was getting ready to go to heaven. He told his disciples because they were whining, you don't leave us, don't leave us. He said, look, it's better for you that I get out of here. Because if I get out of here, then the Holy Spirit will come in my place. And then instead of just God being in one location like he was when he was in a physical body, now he can be everywhere. You can actually experience God. Christianity isn't about thinking about God or knowing about God or hoping and wishing for God somewhere out there. It's about actually experiencing God. This is what changes our lives. And people who have truly experienced God... You know exactly what I'm talking about. It is dramatic. It's a big yo mama kind of event. It's not something like, you know, some of us who become Christians, that it's not because, well, gee, you know, we considered Christianity and we like this philosophy better than the other. No, God showed up and whoa, changed us. You know, there's people here this morning that uh, your lives have been dramatically changed. You know, some of you watching me right now on the, on the campuses, some of your lives have been dramatically changed. Some of us here, you know, we're rotten, filthy, nasty, immoral, violent drunkards. And, and I'm talking about Bob, you know. So, I mean, no, he's okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, this, 
There's all kinds of people whose lives have been dramatically changed. It was no small deal. When I asked Jesus Christ in my life, it was a huge movement, not because of some intellectual experience. It was God showed up in me like, whoa, wow. This, if you haven't had a yo, wow experience yet, some of them more dramatic than others, but you know what I'm talking about. You, you know that you know God has showed up and touched you. Wow. That's what we're talking about. If you haven't had that, you don't get this. Whatever version of Christianity you think you might be having, it ain't the real deal if you don't have that. Because when you truly surrender your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit shows up and does these incredible transformations. We feel God here and now. It's just not pie in the sky after you die. We're getting in on it right now. This is awesome. The Bible says we have received the down payment. Woo! If this is the down payment, I can't wait for the payoff. Because the down payment rocks. All right? We actually, you know, we're not just waiting for heaven to experience God. We're experiencing God now. If your idea of Christianity is wait till I'm dead to experience God, you're in for a shocker. Because highly likely you ain't going to experience God. You're going to experience something else. You've got to know God. That is what the Holy Spirit is. And sadly, it's what a lot of churches lack. Some great churches out there that say all the right things, do all the right things, go through all the rituals and motions, and sadly, that's about what it is. Very mechanical. But if you listen to them, they're saying exactly the right things. Saying some of the exact same things we say. But the Holy Spirit isn't there. God is not there. Okay? Because it's become about rituals to them instead of really experiencing God in your life. That's what we're talking about. And not only does God show up, and you actually experience God. And I promise you, you can experience God in a powerful, wonderful way that would be no different if Jesus was standing here. And if you don't get that, you don't get this. Seriously, those of you who get this know what I'm talking about. It would make a difference if Jesus was actually standing here. Because we're already experiencing Jesus right now. As real as if he was physically standing here. That's the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Again, if you haven't been there, you need to get there. Because that's really what we're talking about. When we say we believe in the Holy Spirit, we're not just kidding around. This is serious stuff. And it's powerful and it's wonderful and it's life-changing and it's energizing. And it's what makes this what it is. In fact, this is what changed the world. You know, I always get a kick out of, you know, listening to the History Channel or something. And they're talking about the spread of Christianity in the early days because of this new philosophy about God. It wasn't about a philosophy about God. It was that they actually got to experience God. These guys had all kinds of philosophies about God. They had every conceivable philosophy of God. These pagans were serious pagans. In fact, I think those pagans were way more committed than most Christians I know. <laughs> they were like seriously into it. And they had gods for everything. And every version of philosophy you could possibly have. The Bible talks about Paul, the apostle. He went into this one place. They had so many idols to different gods. They even had one idol for the unknown God. Just in case we're missing one, you know. <laughs> I haven't thought about this guy. Let's stick one up for him. I mean, they had it, they had it all. Christianity wasn't just spreading because of some new concept about God. It was holy stinking cow. God showed up. And started changing people's lives. And what a lot of people don't understand, the miracles did not stop with Jesus. They think it stopped with Jesus. These people, they don't get it. It didn't stop with Jesus. In fact, shortly after 
the, uh, you know, the apostles, you know, they go and, and the Holy Spirit comes and they're preaching the gospel everywhere. And one of the early stories in the book of Acts is they walk up to this guy and he's, he's a guy who's been crippled from birth, never walked in his life. And Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, looked at him and said, why would he do this? Because he could feel God in him and said, hey, get up and walk. And this guy got up and started, the Bible says, running and leaping and praising God. Now, I mean, that's cool. I mean, it'd be one thing if you had never walked and suddenly you had strength in your legs. That would be a miracle. And now you had to go to a therapy, you know, learn how to walk. I mean, you remember learning how to walk? That was a big deal. Fall, stand, fall, stand, fall, stand, fall, scrape. Ah, you know, it took us a long time. Little rugrats learning how to walk. Here's a guy at the touch of Peter's hand who'd never walked in his life, not only had the physical strength, but got up and had perfect use of everything and could walk just like that. Woo! That's what I call shortcuts. All right? This is God. The miracles kept going. They would go throughout the world. They see sick people. They pray for them. All of a sudden, they got healed. That's not a philosophy. That's God showing up. People who didn't know what to do and they could speak into their lives and give them direction. Oh my goodness, that was God showing up. That's what true Christianity is about. And not only do we experience this on an individual basis, but the Bible talks about the gifts of the Spirit, which he says here in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. He says, now about the spiritual gifts, the special endowments of supernatural energy. <laughs> Yo, that's what I'm talking about. How many of you could use a special endowment of supernatural energy in your life? Yes, I'm telling you, that's powerful stuff. Now, how do you get that? Now, that's the big question, okay? And he goes on to talk about what some of these are. Gifts of faith, gifts of miracles, gifts of healing, knowing what to say to somebody who doesn't know what to do, giving direction, knowledge, all kinds of things that God shows up unexpectedly in a congregation. Now, here's where we've missed it so much in contemporary Christianity, even for those of us who believe in the active work of the Holy Spirit, is we think that this comes through a pastor. It has to be the pastor. You've got to touch the pastor. The pastor has the gifts of God and he can touch you and hallelujah. You know, and that's why it bites if you're over in Appleton at Stevens Point because you can't touch me. It must be horrible to be you. All right? <laughs> but that's not it. It's not about the pastor. I know the pastor. He's not all that impressive. All right? It's about God and it doesn't work that way. He just shows up unexpectedly. Last week, I call him the whack-a-mole of God, right? You know, you go to Chuck E. Cheese and you play whack-a-mole. popping up. You don't know which one's going to come up next. That's what God's like. That's what the Holy Spirit, he just pops up, boom, boop, 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 in different people at different times in ways that you or them maybe have no idea that he's going to pop up and show up. The problem is we're very formulaic in our approach to God. We want a formula. What do I say? What do I do? What buttons do I push to get this result in my life? But it doesn't work that way. I remember some years sharing a story about how we were trying to sell this house and it was going on and on. And I, all of a sudden I felt like God spoke to me about what to do to get this house sold. And we started praying in a certain way. And in five days, not only did we sell the house, the first offer was for more money than we were asking. That's a good day. All right. So I remember sharing this with the congregation. And I was stunned afterwards how many people came up to me and said, so, so, so what did you do? <laughs> so what, what, how did you, how, you, you said what? And, and you, did, you did what? And, then, and I'm thinking like, 
what are, you, what are you doing? It's like they don't get it. They're looking for the formula. What's the formula? I promise you if someone on the news said that between, you know, Appleton and Stevens Point along the side of the road, you know, uh, what's the town along the side of the road? <laughs> Wapaka, yeah. Wapaka, whatever that is. That's a little town over there. If also somebody in Wapaka all of a sudden stopped by the side of the road and had a miracle, do you know there'd be hundreds of people going to that spot? They do. That's what they do. Hey, well, let's go to that spot in the road. I might need a miracle. I need to go find that spot in the road. Seriously. They don't get it. It doesn't work that way. This isn't about a formula. God, you can't put him in a box. He's unpredictable, and he likes being that way. Look at Jesus, the way he prayed for people. There was no formula. Sometimes he'd lay hands on somebody. Sometimes he'd tell them to be healed. Another time he wouldn't even tell them to be healed. He'll just say something different, like, your sins are forgiven. And all of a sudden they were healed. Some people would come and say, come to my house and pray for my kid. And he'd come to the house and pray for my kid. Another time, someone says, come pray for my kid. He says, nah, he's okay, go home. And the kid was healed. Now that they, he'd hold them and something would happen. Lazarus, he just yells at Lazarus. Lazarus, come forth. And he comes hopping out of the grave. You know, so. One time, this blind guy comes to him. And he spits in the ground. Haksalugi. And he makes mud, the Bible says, and smears it on his eyes. At least I haven't spit on you yet. You know? And he, and he spit on him. And then he washed. And all of a sudden, he got his eyes back. And I'm telling you, I promise you, the Bible doesn't say it. Because the Bible doesn't give us a lot of details. I tell you, people say the Bible's a book of stories. If it's stories, these are the worst storytellers on earth. Because they're horrible. They don't tell you any details. There's almost no detail. This happened, and I'm thinking, seriously, what else happened? But I promise you, Bob, I'm telling you, there were people who saw, saw Jesus, hakalugi, stick mud, and they tried it themselves. How do you do that? Man, what you do is you spit in the mud, and you make it, and you squish it on eyes. Anything working? Oh, I got muddy eyes now, you know, that's about it. I'm sure there were people, they tried to find the formula, everyone's trying to find the formula. Stop! God shows up in ways you don't expect. Some can't even tell. And sometimes he does use pastors, thank God. <laughs> Had a story last week. Pastor Betts. I go preach for the fourth time this morning <laughs> after I leave here to our Latino campus down there. And there was a guy there. He'd had some kind of surgery. I don't know. I don't want to know. But he had, they had, it was like a hole in his gut. And they had this machine to suck out gut juice. Or whatever. I don't know. I don't want to know. But uh, because this thing had to heal. And they said it would take, you know, two months to heal. In the meanwhile, you got to have, you know, you got to deal with the gut juice, right? So the machine would. So he's got this. So he comes to Betts and he says, Betts, will you pray for me? And Betts prayed for him. And you never know when the whack-a-mole will pop up. The guy goes home in the three o'clock in the morning. The machine quits working. And he goes, oh, man. And he turned it on. And he comes, it wouldn't work. So he's freaking out. He goes to the, goes to the, to the clinic. Goes in. He says, the, the thing quit working. Well, the nurse says, well, let me fix it. And the nurse comes over and goes, oh, just a minute. Just a minute. And we got another nurse. And now two nurses are going, oh, oh, my. Well, we got to go get the doctor. The guy thinks he's dying. You know, what the heck? <laughs> the doctor comes back and he goes, well, that's a little unusual. So what's wrong? He says, it's healed. It's completely healed. 
that's cool, okay? That's whack-a-mole, woo, hallelujah, all right? God shows up in unexpected ways. Now, here's the deal. Now is when I start preaching. <laughs> I truly believe, I don't think God has changed, okay? I still believe God does this stuff today. So why don't we experience more of it? Mainly because you're not here. Listen to me. God is doing these gifts and these supernatural miracles in people's lives. A lot of times they can't even tell it themselves. I'm just telling us how God shows up. It's how it was in the Bible. There's nothing that says he would stop doing it. He's still doing it today. And people who are very connected in the church have it happen all the time. We hear these stories all the time. But it's people who are connected. It's the ones who know the people. They spend the time to connect with them. I promise you, uh, someday, some of you guys, a lot of you guys, especially you guys on the internet and watching me on TV, you're going to stand before God and say, God, where were you? I prayed. I needed a miracle. I needed wisdom. I didn't know what to do. I asked, but now where, where didn't you send the answer? And God's going to look at you and say, man, I must have sent the answer half a dozen times. But you weren't there to get it. You know what happens in church? We, we come into church slowly. And we leave fast. Come on, you sinners. You know who you are. Same with you guys over there. You kind of slip in, taking your time. Don't want to break anything. You know, slowly come to church and hope nobody notices. And as soon as you're done, pew! Suddenly, it's a miracle. You can move fast. All right? Now, some of you are here this morning. Listen to me right now. You need God to show up in your life. Something has happened. You need God. You know where the answer is? I'll tell you where the answer is. It's probably that guy on the other side of the church. He's got it. There's a lady on the other side of the church. You don't even know her name. Who, If you were to pray for you this morning, God has already preordained. He was going to pop up like a whack-a-mole and give you a miracle. But you'll never experience it. Why? Because you don't ever connect with anybody. You guys slip in slow. You leave fast. You are not connected to anybody. And you guys on the internet, some of you guys are the worst. Now, we, we do this internet thing as a ministry to people in our church. People who are sick or on vacation, they're traveling, they can't get to church, they want to still connect. But some of y'all, you think this is great. You sit around in your underwear, drink cocoa, and watch church. <laughs> they do. They're the underwear cocoa people right now. You know who you are, you rats. There's no reason in the world you can't be in church. No reason. You just, oh, I'll just watch on. This is nice. We can watch on. I, I, I can do church online. You can't do church online. You can watch, but you will never experience the special endowment of supernatural energy. It won't happen because you're off in undie land. A lot of you guys watching us on TV. Now, we do this thing on TV because we want to be a ministry to our community, a chance for people to learn about our church. Uh, and there's a lot of people who do watch us online around the world in addition to being connected to their church or watch us on TV on their way to, con to other churches. We hear this all the time. I, people will meet, I watch you every Sunday morning on my way to church. That rocks. I cheer them on. Whereas a lot of you guys, you think this is church for you because you watch some idiot on TV on a Sunday morning in your underwear. That's not church. And you're thinking, oh, you know, I don't know why God doesn't show up. I keep praying. I hear you preach, Pastor, about these miracles, but nothing happens. It's not going to happen. Why? You're not here. But there's something wrong with us in America. We've gotten so puke and lazy. It used to be 
that if you wanted a thing, you had to get in your car and drive to the thing store to buy the thing, to put the thing in your car and drive it home and stick it in your house and enjoy the thing. You remember those horrible days? We actually had to get off your keister. You remember this? You don't have to do that anymore. Man, I could order stuff online while I'm preaching to you. And somebody will bring the thing to my house. In a couple of days, I'll be complaining. What took you so long? You don't even have, you can live in your underwear 24 seven now. And do absolutely nothing. Well, that might work for buying things, but you will never succeed in your spiritual existence if you don't get off your butt and go to church. And look, I know. You know what it's, yeah. (laughs) That's it, make them all feel like crap this morning. All right, so now. And I know a lot of you guys that come to church. Do you know when we have the biggest crowds in church? It's absolutely predictable. And I'm not talking Christmas and Easter. You always have that. Two times a year, people come to church whether they need it or not. But the rest of the time, when all of a sudden the church fills up, here's the formula. It's not too cold, but it's not too nice. And there's nothing on TV. That's when the majority of you come to church. It's true. You know it, you little sinners. Well, it's okay. Look, I'm glad you come at all. You want to come four or five times a year? Great. You want to come on occasion just when nothing else is in the way? And well, the kids have this and we got that. I got that. And, you know, there was a fly flying around the house in the morning and I had to chase the fly all day, you know. You didn't, you know and it was nice. We had to go to the cabin, you know, 27 days in a row, you know. And of course, we got to do all this stuff. Okay. God bless you. Do whatever you want. I'm not against you. I'm not even mad. What I am telling you is you are not going to experience the answers that you need in your life playing church that way. It's not going to happen. Some of you are totally disconnected from people. You come to church here, you don't know hardly anybody. And I get it's hard to connect with people. I know people. (laughs) A lot of them are creepy. I get it. It's uncomfortable and stuff, but there's no shortcut. I can't give you the shortcut answer to this. Push this, do that, and all of a sudden it'll just happen. It doesn't just happen. You know who succeeds in life? People who do life on purpose. This is in every area of life. Financially, we're working with Thrivent Insurance. We're doing these classes and stuff for our church. Don't just zip out of here 500 miles an hour on the way out with a sudden miracle burst of energy that didn't exist on the way in. Stop by the table, check it out. We're doing these classes. People who succeed financially do it on purpose. It's not about being lucky. Oh, if I was just lucky. You know what lucky people do? Truly lucky people who win like the lottery and stuff. You know what the vast majority of them do? Within a handful of years, some even two years, they're completely broke. They win millions. Some of you right now listen to me think, oh, pastor, if I could just win the lottery, thank you, Jesus. My life will be different. No, it won't. You'll have it just long enough to lose it all. Why? Because you are clueless. You don't know how to run money. You don't know how to deal with it. You think it happens automatically. It doesn't. You want to succeed financially? You sign up for these classes. You go to the classes. You do life on purpose. People in their marriages, I run into this constantly. You know, you're convinced the reason your marriage, your marriage is miserable is because you married the wrong idiot. Should have married the other idiot. No, that's not your problem. You got to do it on purpose. People get there on purpose purpose. 
But we're lazy today. We've lost that spark we had as Americans. Now we are underwear people and we sit around and, and we do nothing and we want the government to make it up for us. And if I haven't had a job, I want 17 years of unemployment insurance. Keep dragging it out because I don't have a job. I need the government. No, stop it. I was just in Fargo yesterday. That was a thrill. <laughs> Fargo makes Green Bay look like Hawaii. <laughs> nice people, but wow. So anyway, but you know what North Dakota has? The most booming economy in America. They got like a 2% unemployment rate. And that's 2% of people who just refuse to work. Starting wages at McDonald's, $20 an hour. And they can't find enough people. But then you got all kinds of people in Philadelphia crying because they lost their job and they don't have a job. I don't have a job. Shut down the plant. I don't know what I can do. I need more unemployment, more unemployment. No. Well, what do I do? Move. I don't want to move. I don't care. Move. Nobody wants to move. But when your life sucks, you move. Do you know who came to this country? People whose lives sucked. You know who did not come to this country? People in Europe who had it good. I ain't getting in that stupid boat. Have you seen these boats? We're not talking Carnival Cruise Lines here. There were little tiny boats getting tossed around and just... And some of them didn't even make it. They risked their lives. Why would they do it? Because their lives sucked. And they came to America. America's made up of people who were full of suck. Everything was wrong in their lives. And they came here. And then they were here for a while. And then they decided to go west. Do you know why? Because in the east, their lives still sucked. <laughs> you know who did not go west? People in the east who had it good. Had good jobs. Everything was good. Why would you move? I'm not moving. I'm staying here. The rest of the people whose lives sucked got in a wagon with a horse. That's a long trip when you're heading to Oregon at that speed. You got to do life on purpose. Financially, emotionally, career-wise. You got to do what you got to do. Get off your keister. Don't sit around whining and complaining. And I promise you, if you're going to succeed spiritually in your life and really experience God, of course, maybe you don't need God. I mean, you love God and you believe in God. Maybe that's good. You're an underwear guy and that's all that matters. You got your cocoa, your undies. You know, that's good. Look, you're at home. Undies are optional for you. Yeah. They're at home, right? Right? Unless you have children. Don't do that. You know, just traumatize the children. Maybe that's good for you. Maybe that's all you need. Okay, great. God bless you. We love you. And I mean that sincerely. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not, trying to, I'm not even trying to yell at people. I yell all the time. But, but you're not going to get this. You'll never experience these miracles. These gifts of the Holy Spirit. God showing up by, what again? How does he call it? I love this phrasing. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Where'd he go? Special endowments of supernatural energy that just pop up unexpectedly. People come up to you, you're talking to, and they'll pray with you about something. They don't even know they have it. And all of a sudden, your life turns around, boom, in a heartbeat. And I promise you, the people who have the greatest stories sitting in your campus right now, listen to me right now, 
people who have these great stories, they are the most connected people. But you can't do it if you come to church occasionally. You can't do it if you don't come to church at all. And I'm not sure just even coming to church. I mean, the truth is, you need to get connected. These are the people. They go to Bible studies. They have life groups. They, they get connected with people. And they're looking for God. You say, Pastor, how do you find this stuff? You look for it. You look for it. You come and you think, I need a special endowment of supernatural energy. Which one of you rascals got it? And you seriously look for God. You know, the Bible says, you have to seek me. And if you seek me, you will find me. God loves to play hide and seek. He does. Some of you cry, God's hiding from me. God, Pastor, God's hiding. It feels like God's hiding from me. He is. He is on purpose. What am I supposed to do? Look for him. The good news is the game is rigged. You will find him. But you got to look. Now, in the beginning, it's real easy. If you're young in your faith, God's really easy to find. It's true. The older you get, the longer you're in this, the harder it is. But he makes it easy. Like if I'm playing hide and seek from, you know, my two or three-year-old granddaughter, I don't run into the basement and cover myself under boxes. You know, in three minutes, she'll forget I was there. Right? When I play hide and seek with Maya, I hide behind stuff like this. Amazingly, it can still take him a minute and a half to find you, you know. That's what God's like. It's real easy, but you got to look. The older you get, the harder the game gets. But the game doesn't stop. You feel like God's hiding from you? Absolutely he is. What do I do? Look. It's called hide and seek. He loves to play hide and seek. I think it's God's favorite game. The good news is it's a rigged game. You always win. Because he said, if you will seek me with all your heart, you will find me. It's an absolute promise. It's rigged. The fix is in. But you can't do this casually. It doesn't happen automatically. It's just not going to happen because you're cute. Or it's not going to even happen because you're in so much pain. A lot of you guys think that because it'll happen because you're hurting so bad. That you're crying. The harder you cry, the greater your pain, the more God will show up. No. Well, that's not fair. You You don't get this. It's not about fairness. He's not going to change the rules for you. He's here, he will show up, he'll bring you your answers, and who knows who has it this morning, sitting around you. Proud of the guy on the other side of church. Someone you've never bothered to talk to. But you've got to get connected in people's lives so you can start experiencing the miracles God wants to send you. If you look, you will find him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Help us, O Lord God, to snap out of the delusional world that we Americans have allowed ourselves to slip into. We expect things just to happen because. We don't go out to make things happen. We want things to happen just because. We want someone else to guarantee success, take care of us. We don't want to go get things. We want things delivered to us. Lord, help us to stop. Help us to be intentional especially when it comes to finding you. The good news, Lord, is the fix is in. If we seek you, you promised we will find you. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you guys.